Well, a MAGA nightmare has hit the country, Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia, very disastrous results for the Republican Party, great results for Democrats. And this should caution anyone who is looking at, you know, the recent New York Times Siena poll that says Biden's losing five swing states. It should caution anyone from assuming that Joe Biden is out because it is now one, two, I guess four elections in a row, five that have gone poorly for Republicans underperforming. And we are going to dive into all of it. The narrative among some on the right and some on the left is Joe Biden simply cannot win. He's too old. He's ineffectual. He's not exciting. Democrats are destined to lose if they go with Biden next November. The other narrative, which is the one that's based in fact, is damn, Democrats are winning and winning again and winning again. And we had some elections last night. Let's discuss those results. Abortion rights won either directly or indirectly in Ohio, Kentucky and Virginia. None are major blue states. Virginia you know, has leaned blue at some times in the past presidentially, but they elected a Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin. And look at what we have. Ohio decisively passing a constitutional amendment guaranteeing access to abortion in Virginia, where Republicans pushed a proposal to outlaw most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Democrats are projected to take control of the state legislature. They campaigned on we will keep abortion. Republicans want to get rid of it. Glenn Youngkin, cuckoo Glenn Youngkin wants to get rid of it. We want to keep it. And Democrats will hold not only that, uh, now it's this. They prevent the Senate and House from going to Republicans in Virginia, making Glenn Youngkin, you know, Youngkin was talked about as this guy could run for president in 2028. He has now uh, lost control of the House and Senate. He may accomplish nothing over the next however many years. It's going to be very hard to argue. Make me the president. And in Kentucky, a very red state, Kentucky has reelected the Democratic governor, Andy Bashir, who went after his opponent, Daniel Cameron, for supporting a near total ban on abortion in the state. Here is Andy Bashir last night. You really love to see this, particularly in the red state of Ohio. But folks, this wasn't my win. This was our victory. It was a victory that sends a loud, clear message, a message that candidates should run for something and not against someone. That a candidate should show vision and not sow division. Right. And a clear statement that anger politics should end right here and right now. So you get the idea. And Bashir really is the type of Democrat that would be interesting as a next generation Democrat. Other wins yesterday. A Democrat won an open seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. His name's Dan McCaffrey after campaigning on a pledge to uphold abortion rights. Now, none of this means 2024 is secure, that it's in the bag, that we don't have to go out and vote. 
This is just a good sign. We look at a bad sign like some polling and we look at a good sign like the way people are actually voting. We, we look at Chris Christie tweeting, by the way, quote, Trump endorsed candidate Daniel Cameron loses the governor's race in deep red Kentucky. Another loss for Trump. The losing will only end for Republicans if we rid ourselves of Trump. Trump loser in 18, 20, 21, 22 and now 23. And Chris Christie makes a really good point. Think about the Republican Party since 2016, when Trump won his primary and then defeated Hillary Clinton um, in the uh, Electoral College to become the president in 2018, Republicans losing control of the House in 2020, Trump losing the White House to Joe Biden, Republicans failing to get control of the House, ultimately losing control of the Senate after those Georgia special elections. Then you've got the 2022 midterms by historical standards. The 2022 midterms should have been terrible for Democrats. Supposedly a red wave was coming. And in reality, Republicans got the House, but barely and barely with some horrible edge cases like lying Congressman George Santos, who was elected pretending to be a completely different person that he isn't even. Uh, And in fact, in the red wave 2022 midterms, Democrats grew their margin of control in the Senate by a little bit. The reality is the reality is. This has been a disastrous series of election cycles for Republicans and a very important takeaway from what we saw last night, especially for the people that are panicking about the 2024 polling. Democrats outperformed the polls last night. The polling did not suggest that Democrats would do as well as they did last night. So we have a small signal from 2023 on to 2024. We go. Let's discuss the right wing meltdown over what happened last night. It is an incredible sort of insight into where their minds are. So we had these great wins for Democrats last night. Uh, directly or indirectly about abortion rights in so many states, overperforming, outperforming the polls. Let's talk about the reaction from the MAGA right. First and foremost, you might not know it from looking at Trump's statements over the last 12 to 24 hours. Trump endorsed the guy that got crushed in Kentucky. Trump endorsed Daniel Cameron in Kentucky, uh, wherein he um, just a few days ago put out a troth where he said, wow, Daniel Cameron of Kentucky has made a huge surge now that they see my strong endorsement and the fact that he's not really a McConnell guy. They only try to label him that because he comes from the great state of Kentucky. Anyway, go, Daniel. Great future for you and your state. You will bring it to new levels of success and I will help you. A strong endorsement from Donald Trump. Cameron got crushed in a deep red state by the Democrat Andy Bashir. And if you look at Trump's troth central last night, troth central, not even mentioning it, not even mentioning that he endorsed Daniel Cameron, not mentioning that Daniel Cameron lost posting instead only congratulations to Tate Reeves of Mississippi on your great reelect win for governor. It's like it didn't even happen. Let's look at other reactions from MAGA to last night's Republican disaster. Here is Mark Levin's reaction. Mark Levin's reaction is they need more MAGA 
more MAGA. The truth about yesterday's off year election. Once dark red Virginia has moved blue because immigrants and federal bureaucrats have flooded into northern Virginia, which has changed the state politically. In Kentucky, Cameron lost not because Trump endorsed him and upset as obsessively stupid Trump hater Chris Christie claims, but because he is a Mitch McConnell protege who was not a forceful advocate of conservative principles and Biden's failures. This should be a lesson for Republicans. Rhinos have no winnable message. So Mark Levin is saying this guy wasn't MAGA enough. Sure, Trump endorsed him, but he wasn't MAGA enough to win. That's an idea. I mean, certainly there's no factual basis for that. Here's religious broadcaster David Brody flabbergasted that anyone would support abortion rights. David Brody posting to Twitter or X quote, here's an absolute disgusting exit poll statistic from last night. Why do all these guys randomly capitalize stuff? I don't know. Twenty four percent of so-called white born again or evangelical Christians voted for Ohio's pro-abortion constitutional amendment. It's not just the left, just horrible. This is the reality. This is the realization. It is not just Democrats who believe that abortion should be accessible, safe and legal. It is increasingly Republicans as well. And Republicans who refuse to acknowledge that will continue to lose. Now, to his credit, here's a clip of Sean Hannity last night admitting if they go too hardcore on abortion, they're going to lose in a landslide. Whatever Hannity's personal views are, he is at least connected to the reality of where the country is on this issue. Listen to this postmortem from Hannity. Scare the, but the Democrats right. are trying to scare women into thinking Republicans right. don't want abortion legal under any circumstances. And I go back to Pennsylvania 2022. The Republican candidate for governor, if I remember correctly, no exceptions for rape, incest of the mother's life and lost uh, to a non incumbent uh, gubernatorial candidate, Democratic candidate uh, by a margin that was not seen since the 1940s. So I have to believe that is an indication that the women in America, suburban moms want it probably legal and yep. rare and probably earlier than, you know, at the point of viability. There you go. So Hannity, even if he's not right about the entire specifics, there is recognizing those the so-called suburban moms that Trump said he was going to ride to victory. They seem to want abortion legal. Now, here's a different perspective. This is just delightful copium, by the way. Here's Rick Santorum on Newsmax. He says that when you keep putting sexy stuff like abortion on the ballot, of course, Republicans lose nothing hotter than abortion on the ballot. And you put very sexy things like abortion and marijuana on the ballot and a lot of young people come out and vote. It, 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 it was a it was a secret sauce for disaster in Ohio. I don't know what they were thinking, yeah. but um, that's why I'm, I, I thank goodness that most of the states in this country don't allow you to put everything on the ballot because right. pure democracies are not the way to run a country. <laughs> so there you go. You know, if we just stopped letting people vote on stuff that's important to them, sexy, hot stuff, steamy stuff like abortion. Uh, we'd win much more easily. And by the way, this is the same Rick Santorum who used to be a political analyst on CNN. Now he's on Newsmax. So evaluate that, evaluate that as uh, as as you want. 
Here's one other clip from Newsmax. This is also a good one. Um, And, you know, I have to say this is actually a better commentary where the Newsmax guy, I forget this guy's name, says the Republican Party seems to have a problem winning. And it's like, yes, yes, they do. That's an act. Here is an accurate analysis. As far as, you know, it it does seem like the the Republican Party generally has a real problem with uh, with winning. Yeah. Uh, You know, it, it certainly was in the midterms here and now in this one as well. Right. Um, and and you wonder, do we have the right people in place to be putting the messaging together to the, the no. people that are supposed to be there to get the early vote out to, to to do these jobs? You wonder about the RNC. Do we have the right people running the show? No, we, 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 we we're not doing something right. I think that's Correct. very obvious. Yes. Yeah, I think, Rob, I think you're right in a lot of places. Um, I would say these state level races, RNC doesn't really play a role in voter turnout. That's run uh, by the team on the ground. And that in Virginia is led by Glenn Youngkin. So this guy, Ken Cuccinelli, is just blaming the local people, saying that it's not so much a broad Republican problem, but this is actually a good commentary. There is a real problem here for Republicans. And lastly, Chris Christie blames Trump. Chris Christie uh, saying that, quote, Trump is political and electoral poison, blaming Trump for at least some of last night's losses. We are going to continue following this very closely because it's really easy to get wrapped up in, oh, my God, Biden's losing Michigan all of a sudden a year before Trump's not even the nominee. There's a lot that still has to happen. And most importantly, Democrats are regularly overperforming polls and Republicans have done terribly in national elections since Trump came on the scene. They don't seem ready to abandon Trump, and that is only to their own detriment. So if anything, when we see a negative poll, when we see a poll that's negative about Joe Biden's chances, our reaction should be, oh, then I damn well better vote so that the numbers are better than what the polling says. That's that's what the reaction should be when we see that. And we're going to talk about that more after the break. People in my audience who sometimes struggle with sleep, you know, you've got those habit forming prescription medications, which sometimes have side effects. You've got your herbal remedies that often do nothing. That's why the go to can be melatonin, which is clinically proven to work and without the side effects and the grogginess. Our sponsor beam makes delicious nighttime hot cocoa drinks called dream with melatonin to help you get to sleep. Melatonin can also help correct circadian rhythm disturbances to get your schedule back on track. Like, for example, if you have jet lag, Beam's Dream Hot Cocoa with melatonin comes in great tasting flavors like mint chocolate chip, chocolate peanut butter, sea salt caramel or caramel. Come on. No sugar added, sweetened with monk fruit, only 15 calories per serving. My favorite is cinnamon cocoa. I'll just be up front. It's great to have before bed. Sometimes it's hot very flavorful, but not overly sweet. It's just a soothing way to wind down like an hour before going to bed. If you want to try Beam's best selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year. Get up to 50 percent off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Pacman. That's shop slash Pacman for up to 50 percent off. The link is in the podcast notes. 
One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. I love the sponsor. Our sponsor, Green Pan, makes the best ceramic nonstick cookware money can buy. I've been using it for years. You're probably familiar with Green Pan. They really revolutionized home cooking back in 2007 when they introduced the ceramic nonstick cookware. Now Green Pan has launched their slow cookers. You can create family sized meals with the press of a button. They're available in eight beautiful colors. I have the white one. The other night I made a beautiful brisket in not technically a Hanukkah brisket, not yet, but could be could be. I made it in my green pan slow cooker. The results are amazing. Super easy to clean up. You can brown in the pot. I don't need to brown on the stove. I can do it all in the slow cooker. None of green pans cookware has any of the harmful chemicals that other brands have. Green Pan has their own factory. They live up to their standards. They won the 2023 Good Housekeeping Sustainable Innovation Award. And all Green Pan stuff has a 60 day return policy. So you have plenty of time to make sure it is right for you. Upgrade your cookware this holiday season with Green Pan. Go to greenpan.us and use the code PACMAN to get 30% off your entire order plus free shipping on orders over $99. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman show depends on the support of our viewers, our listeners, people in the audience. We try to make it appealing. We've got a bunch of great membership perks that come with a membership. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. If you like the show, the greatest things you get as a member are you get the show with no commercials hours before everybody else gets it in either audio or video form. You also get an extra show called The Bonus Show. Alex Jones, conspiracy theorist, hates The Bonus Show. Oh, The Bonus Show, where you want to make money. Everybody yeah. else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Well, we're not selling silver, Alex. We're just offering more content. You can get all of it by signing up at joinpacman.com. We talked in the uh, first part of the show about the election results from last night and something very sad happened. I guess you could call it sad to a Republican candidate last night, hours before his election. He was arrested and charged with child pornography related offenses. They're saying it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. 
Newsweek reports. Look at this. A Texas Republican city council candidate is facing felony child porn charges after being arrested just hours before the elections. Brad Benson, a candidate for place number four on the city council of Granbury, Texas, was arrested November 6th. I can confirm he was arrested by the district attorney's office yesterday has been charged with two felony child porn charges. He should have a bond set today. The Republican Party of Hood County withdrew support after the charges emerged. Quote, crimes of this degree. Look at this guy. Crimes of this degree tear at the heart and soul of society, and we condemn them in the strongest terms. The Republican Party stands for the conservative family values and protection of children. These heinous acts are antithetical to what Republicans stand for. Are they really? Are they really? Now, few caveats, allegate uh, indictments are allegations. They have not been proven. He has not been found guilty of anything. He deserves his day in court just like anybody else. But one of the things that's important to remember is it's not really clear that these are antithetical values to what the Republicans actually are willing to vote for. Let me remind you, Roy Moore in Alabama Senate race lost by only one point something points to Doug Jones, despite multiple accusations of assaulting minors. He was banned from a mall when he was younger. I believe he was in his 30s picking up teenagers younger and just on the edge and younger than the age of consent. I mean, and and he only lost by one point seven because it's a deep red state, Alabama. And these Republicans, many would rather the child porn guy uh, or the serial accused sexual assaulter than a Democrat. It, it really is that simple. And so it's just another example of how they say, here are our values. Here's our, our set, our package of values. And we adhere to them and they involve, you know, family values and taking protecting children as well as uh, low business regulation and no cronyism. And, but then as soon as it's inconvenient, then they go completely the opposite. And when their candidates do it, often they go, well, it's still better than choosing a Democrat. So there it is, uh, a guy that, you know, I mean, it just we'll see where this goes. And um, I, <laughs> it, 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 it never fails to surprise initially, but then you go, oh, right, they voted for Trump despite 46 allegations of sexual harassment or worse. And saying he could shoot people on Fifth Avenue. Of course, this shouldn't actually surprise us that these are the sorts of folks that are running. Fox's Janine Pirro says transgenders offend her. This is another one of these, you know, Fox News continues to bravely cover the biggest issue of our time, trans women in sports. Here's Janine Pirro saying transgenders offend her. Then we will discuss. But is this is this what the Equal Rights Amendment there was intended to, to do? I haven't read that Equal Rights Amendment, but the way they're interpreting it is they're basically saying that um, the Equal Rights Amendment uh, uh, says that you cannot deny someone participation in a team based upon gender. OK, so to me. I've always been offended by the transgenders. I've always been offended by the Leah Thomases swimming as women against women. Okay, but this is worse because you're not swimming in your own lane. This is literally combat. 
And these men, <laughs> who historically are stronger than women, that's the end of it. Being allowed to compete with women in this kind of sport is um, is dangerous. And I'm not surprised it would happen. Now, I'm sure she was wearing a mouth guard. Apparently, her injuries were so horrible, whether it was accident or a guy who was so confident, I'm going to show these women, you know, how to play. Um, it just, the whole stadium apparently was traumatized by yeah. what happened. She right. lost teeth. She lost, I mean, she was all full of blood. I mean, this is very serious. So you've got men's lacrosse, women's lacrosse. You've got field hockey. Let the men do their own field hockey. And in a situation where there is combat, Men should not be allowed to play in women's sports. All right. So so let's just talk a little bit about this. And, you know, I get a lot of emails from right wingers who say, David, will you denounce men in women's sports or are you not? Or, or sometimes I'll go men in little girls sports as if there's some 25 year old biological male playing soccer with seven year old girls or something like that. So the reason I don't talk about it much is this is not a critical issue facing the United States. And this is one of the ways that the right tries to save itself from the fact that they've completely abandoned policy of any serious kind and instead want to focus on contrived social and cultural issues that are often framed in framed dishonestly at the minimum. So let's talk about it here and then we can say we've done it. First of all, there is no widespread crisis of trans women in sports. Just because an issue isn't a big issue doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. But the most important thing is these people have so run out of ideas that they are desperately and apoplectically relying on their ability to make people angry about stuff that's not really a major issue. According to the human rights campaign, only 0.6% of the entire adult population is trans. And then some fraction of that is trans women, right? Because you've got trans men and trans women. Nobody cares about trans men and men's sports. So we've got 0.6% of the population is trans. Some fraction of that is trans women. Some fraction of that is engaged in sports at all. And then some subsection of that is engaged in the sports that would be scrutinized more deeply like maybe professional or elite collegiate sports, maybe elite high school. OK, so we're talking about a slice of a slice of a slice of a slice. Now, what does science say? I just care about what the science says about this. The scientific community acknowledges there are biological differences between those born male and born female. And men have physical advantages in a number of different sports. That's why sports are often segregated by gender. However, when it comes to trans women, it is far more nuanced than just saying, were you male at birth? You're out. And let me explain. Trans women who undergo hormone replacement therapy have a bunch of changes that they experience and their secondary sex characteristics start to align with those of women. It's not an exact equivalent, but you look at muscle mass changes, strength, endurance. If you undergo as a trans woman hormone replacement therapy over time, you start to approach being much more in terms of these metrics like a biological woman. The NCAA, 
the International Olympic Committee have policies where they say, OK, trans women, perfect, we get it. Here's the policy. You have to undergo a period of HRT before you are able to be determined eligible to participate. And they have data. They have data that says what what are things like after a year of HRT? How does the muscle mass compare, et cetera? The HRT does not completely eliminate advantages, but it does to a great degree. You then have research that shows even then, even after the HRT, a trans women can retain athletic advantages. But those advantages are not uniform across all, all sports or individuals. So remember, we've got the trans community, trans women, trans women who are engaged in sports, trans women who are engaged in sports at a level where this sort of stuff needs to be scrutinized. And then you have, well, which specific sport are we talking about? So if a sport relies on size and strength, you still probably have something you have to figure out there to make competition, what we would call fair in sports that rely more on skill, agility and endurance. That physiological difference after the year of HRT may be relatively insignificant. I'll give you some examples. Gymnastics. Gymnastics relies heavily on balance, flexibility, agility and technique. Strength is a component more to some gymnastics than to others. But the emphasis is skill and precision and the biological differences, particularly after a year of HRT, may not really be very significant. Uh, figure skating is sort of a similar analysis to that of, uh, of of gymnastics. Distance running is an interesting one. Uh, physiological factors do play a role. You look at the men's marathon and the women's marathon. Clearly, you have a difference there. But again, after a year of HRT, trans women's muscle mass and hemoglobin go down hemoglobin, which allows uh, sort of like oxygen capacity, we might say colloquially. And you have trans women on one year of HRT who are much more closely aligned with cisgender women than they are with men. That's another area where we would say, well, maybe it doesn't even really matter there. Um, soccer, there's controversy about uh, there's a lot with soccer that's about ball control and spatial awareness and teamwork. You still have a physical component. OK, so soccer, they're figuring out archery does, you know, trans women. It's still gender segregated in many cases. Does it really need to be? I don't know. Equestrian is another example. So the whole point here is the right has made a lot, a lot. They've gotten a lot of mileage out of we've got to get these big, burly men. We can't have the rock pushing around my seven year old daughter on the soccer field. Right. That's not happening. That's not happening. And we're talking about a slice of a slice of a slice. Listen, we still deal with things that are slices of slices of slices, but this is not the great issue. They want you to believe that it is. And also there is more nuance than they want you to believe. Far bigger issues out there. Those are my thoughts on where the discussion and the science is right now. Always welcome the thoughts of others. And we'll have this clip, including Janine Pirro in all her glory uh, on our Instagram, on our TikTok, and of course, on our YouTube channel. As many of you know, I spend a lot of time working on the show, doing research, preparing for interviews, filming the show. And when I need just a quick and easy snack during a break, I love whipping up instant ramen noodles, low maintenance, but 
ramen noodles have never been known to be the healthiest thing in the kitchen. Our sponsor, Emmy, has changed that. Every pack of Emmy ramen noodles has only six grams of net carbs, up to 21 grams of protein. That's three times more than traditional brands, helps you feel fuller longer and 18 grams of fiber, which is great for gut health and digestion. The best part is it tastes better than any other instant ramen you've ever had. Six delicious flavors. These are all vegan black garlic chicken. It's vegan. Spicy red miso, spicy beef, vegan pork tonkatsu, vegan. Imi is a fun and tasty instant ramen experience like you're used to with more to offer nutritionally and without all the carbs. Having Imi around will keep you from going for the junk food. Go to immyeats.com slash Pacman five. Use the code Pacman five for five dollars off. That's I M M I eats.com slash Pacman five. Use code Pacman five for five dollars off. The info is in the podcast notes. The number of data breaches we see is growing every year, up 41 percent from 2021 to 2022. And the likelihood of your data getting breached is constantly rising. Hundreds of commercial databases and people searching sites that hold your personal information. They can have name, social security number, login credentials, home address, location history, Internet history, a whole bunch more. And you don't even know that it is happening. But our sponsor, Incogni, is the app and website that will take care of this for you. You create an account, you give them the right to go to work for you, you sit back, and Incogni has the data broker sites remove your personal information from their databases. Incogni keeps you updated on the status of everything, they handle the objections that can come up. This is often the reason that people get robocalls because their information is on one of these sites that Incogni will take you off of. Scammers will use the info to commit fraud against you. So Incogni simplifies everything, gets the information taken down and you get some peace of mind. The first hundred people to use the code Pacman will get 60 percent off when you go to Incogni.com slash Pacman. That's I N C O G N I dot com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for 60% off. The info is in the podcast notes. I have absolutely a hilarious legal analysis of Donald Trump's testimony in his New York civil fraud trial. This is genuinely funny. I'm not going to pretend for a moment that this is not a biased partisan observer, but Michael Cohen's lawyer, uh, Danya Perry, appeared uh, in an interview with Midas Touch. This is so damn funny that we have to look at it together. Michael Cohen's lawyer was in the courtroom for Donald Trump's testimony, and she describes it as bananas, bonkers, crazy town and unhinged. Listen to this. <laughs> oh, I don't know where to begin. Let's let's like get out of thesaurus and, and go through as many adjectives as possible for bananas, bonkers, crazy town. It really I've been practicing law for half my life, which is a long time at this point. 
both federal and state, civil and criminal. I've never seen anything like this. I think <laughs> I said in our, our last time together that lawyers don't understand how insane it is. The lawyers and, and all the participants left, you know, the rules of civil procedure, of evidence, of decorum at the door when they walked into that courtroom. And it's one thing, you know, everything's objectionable and everything is pure theater. But it got really very personal today and very unhinged. Uh, that is you could apply that analysis to essentially the entirety of the Trump family's foray into politics, right? I mean, it's bananas, it's bonkers, it's crazy town. The entire thing is quite frankly unhinged. Donald Trump continuing to give credence to every single accusation made against him by virtue of his behavior. What Trump did in court today was appalling and and mystifying to every legal expert who has weighed in. And hilariously, it's not just Trump, but it's also Trump's lawyer. Here is Perry talking about Alina Habba's performance. And remember, Alina Habba coming out of court after Trump's testimony with all sorts of complaints, just complaints up the wazoo, but not willing to say this stuff in court. Now, there there is an argument being made as to why both Trump and Habba are performing or behaving in this way. I'll get to that in a moment. But here's Danya Perry explaining uh, uh, Alina Habba's presence there as well. Speaking of somebody portraying themselves as poor me, I was shocked at Alina Habba, his lawyer, who gave a, a somewhat whiny press conference afterwards saying how the judge yelled at me and was pounding his fist. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, OK, really, your your client just basically has been yelling at everybody, calling everybody names. And a judge was acting like a judge and trying to control his courtroom. I mean, did you see the judge yelling at her? And I mean, I, it was I heard her saying that the judge was yelling at her, but I didn't hear him yelling at her. It, it was interesting. I mean, a lot of this is for the media. A lot of this is for the audience of one right. Trump himself. Um, and, and some of it is probably for the appellate record. So a throwaway statement like that, that is blatantly untrue, um, is really just for, you know, the, the first department, you know, which is the appellate court or the, ultimately the court of appeals. But yes, yeah, she, she plays, she also plays this, you know, victim card quite a bit. And then she, on the other hand, she also, you know, attempts to give tutorials in, in trial advocacy to the other side. So she's trying to tell Kevin Wallace how to ask a proper question <laughs> as she did with with Michael Cohen. And, and let me tell you, it was not a master class <laughs> from from where I was sitting. So she you know, she does a lot of that uh, and she's she's very, very combative, of course, but also just for for someone who I, I don't know this for a fact, but from what I could tell has never tried a case before. It, it, you know, it's 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 she's just amazingly supercilious and arrogant. Um, so, you know, that's just one of the parts of this that I found really shocking as a lawyer who, you know, teaches um, professional responsibility and has taught trial advocacy. So the bottom line is lawyers are shocked not only by what Trump is doing in court, but by what Trump's lawyers are doing in court. So a couple different thoughts on this. Number one, imagine if this thing was televised. 
which some of Trump's criminal trials may be. And imagine if Trump was facing life in prison, what his behavior would be like. Trump can't behave even remotely at a trial where he can't go to prison and it's not on TV and you know whatever. Um, I believe that the, the television broadcast of Trump's criminal trials, assuming that there is such a broadcast, is going to be absolutely like nothing this country has ever seen before. Let me address one other thing. A number of you wrote to me and I've seen some articles uh, to the extent that uh, uh, it has been written about that suggest Trump's behavior in court and Alina Haba's behavior is all meant to upset the judge, Judge Engeron, deliberately so that he does something wrong and that then they can get this entire case thrown out on appeal. The idea is this is a strategy that Trump and his lawyers have come up with, and they said, let's just just don't behave act irrationally, say crazy things, so on and so forth. The point of it being that it will so enrage the judge that he will go too far in sanctioning or will do something that is inappropriate and then it'll all come back on appeal. Two reactions to that that I've read. Number one, the judge doesn't really seem like he's taking the bait and he seems to be very soberly making every effort to control uh, his his courtroom and appropriately so. And number two, uh, that Trump is not really able to stick to any kind of long term strategy. He's too emotional. He's too reactive. He just says crazy things on a whim. And so that it's not very much uh, like something Trump would be able to do that Trump can't handle such a long term approach. You be the judge of that. But other lawyers are stunned by what they are seeing in court, both done by Trump and done by Trump's lawyer. All right. One more little story here related to Trump's court appearance and then Later on, we'll talk about one other aspect of this. Attorney General Letitia James reportedly was laughing uncontrollably during Trump's testimony. So we've heard from lawyers. What was your reaction to Trump's testimony? It was crazy. We've heard from lawyers. What was your reaction to Trump's lawyers behavior in court? That was crazy and unhinged and not a master class, as Danya Perry described it. There is reporting that Letitia James broke into laughter during Donald Trump's testimony, this I wish this thing was televised. I wish this thing was televised. New York Attorney General. This is from Newsweek. New York Attorney General Letitia James was seen cracking up during former President Trump's testimony, according to reporters in the courtroom. Trump took to the witness stand Monday. Uh, We already know about the case, et cetera. Trump is also facing 91 felony charges. We've heard about uh, Judge Engeron, et cetera. Uh, Letitia James was reportedly laughing at a number of different moments. At one moment, Trump called her uh, corrupt and fascist, which made her laugh. Trump claimed that James didn't know what 40 Wall Street is, which is one of Trump's buildings. Letitia James laughed at that as well. I guess part of it is because the building is like right by the courthouse itself. Um, and apparently it's been just laughter after laughter after laughter. My reaction is, how could you not be laughing? You've got a babbling fool. If she didn't have what she needed to go after Trump in this case, she wouldn't have done it. If she didn't have what she needed to go after Trump criminally in the criminal trial, she wouldn't have done it. And one of the again, we're for me, this civil trial, it is an important trial. It is an important trial, but it's really a preview and a precursor to give us some framework, some expectations for what the criminal trials are going to be like. 
when Trump is at risk of going to prison for the rest of his life, you know that he is going to be even more easily triggered than he has been during this trial. And Letitia James, to her credit, she really seems to know how to trigger Trump into going on these rage tangents and potentially incriminate himself further. The stakes in the criminal trial to Trump's ranting and raving and the entire thing. It will have the potential to be far more disastrous. And so, so far, Letitia James has shown an uncanny ability to trigger Trump and Trump has shown a lack of any ability to control himself, to behave in the way one is expected to behave in a court of law. And remember, when people laugh, like remember Trump's U.N. speech, Trump seems to assume people are laughing with him. It's hard to imagine how he would think that in this particular case. But this everything you are seeing in the civil trial has the potential to blow up a hundredfold once Trump's freedom is quite literally at risk. So Letitia James laughing, lawyers laughing. It's all a big joke. And maybe it is a joke when money is the only thing at stake or your business license. When Trump's freedom becomes what is at stake, I expect Trump to behave in an even more unhinged way. After the break, we are going to look at an interview that Trump's lawyer Alina Habba did. I also am going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the growing civil war that uh, is brewing or has been brewing within the Republican Party. Marjorie Taylor Greene now is getting sucked into it. And then I think you're really going to like this. A born again Christian called in to explain to me how does the world work? How does the world work? This is going to be extremely informative. I can assure you of that. So we'll take a quick break. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. We are now only 20, 20 something thousand YouTube subscribers away from two million. I may stream tonight's debate and keep streaming until we get to two million. I may do it if it looks like we've got a shot. As many of you have heard me say before, when I go to a wine shop, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm Argentinian and I still know almost nothing about wine. So if you're like me, you might be able to use some help. Our sponsor Naked Wines has you covered. Naked Wines is a subscription service that will connect you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. You pay a fraction of the price you'd normally pay in stores because they cut out the retail middlemen. You get exclusive access to hundreds of top quality award winning wines. They get delivered however often you want. Perfect for any type of wine drinker. You'll get background information on the bottle. You have friends over. You can seem like you know something by telling them something about the wine. My girlfriend likes white wine. I'm more of a red guy by necessity just because I'm Argentinian, even though I know absolutely nothing. So we get like a split box that has a few bottles of each. Every bottle is a passion project from some independent winemaker. So you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. You'll get your first six bottles for thirty nine ninety nine. Go to nakedwines.com slash Pacman and click enter voucher at the top and type in Pacman as the code and as the password. That's nakedwines.com slash Pacman. Enter Pacman as the code and password. The info is in the podcast notes. Let's now look at two very interesting interviews that were done by Trump attorney Alina Habba, the first one with Newsmax, the second one with Larry Kudlow on Fox Business. What is fascinating about these interviews? Well, actually, there's a lot of different things, 
But the ease with which Trump and anyone in his circle so brazenly and comfortably assign themselves the status of the victims, they are the ones that are being oppressed and discriminated against and so on. Here she is on Newsmax. Uh, there's so much that I don't think we could finish my block with going through it. This is a woman who taunted the president but likes to act like she's the victim. She comes out only when there's a Trump affiliate child or to her someone who's a C-suite top person. Otherwise, she's not interested in trial. She's never sat at the desk with me. She's never fought it. She's never objected. She's not practicing law. She's just simply there for PR. Don't. She accuses the attorney general of claiming to be and acting like she is the victim. But it is Trump and Haba who have made the story. We are the victims of the judge and an unfair weaponized justice system and the attorney general, Letitia James and prosecutors and witnesses who are lying and everybody's just against us and we are the victims. This goes nuclear in the next interview that Alina Habba did this one with former Trump advisor Larry Kudlow, who now has a show on Fox Business. Here is uh, the that interview. And this is this is really fascinating. Take a look. Anyway, joining us now is one of his key attorneys, Alina Habba. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate it very much. Um, I don't get this. He's got an agenda. Uh, everybody's got an agenda in this courtroom and they will not let Donald Trump speak his piece. Now, remember, this is a lie. They always love to say I'm being silenced. They indicted me for my speech. No, it says in the thing, we're not indicting you for your speech. We're indicting you for the things you did. They won't let him speak in a court. You have to be responsive to the questions asked. Trump, Trump was making political speeches in response to specific questions. Now, I want to ask you, OK, let me is Donald Trump being rude? Is he yelling? Or is he just trying to get his, let's say, two cents in that this uh, judge won't let? Honestly, none of the above. What would happen was they would show him two paragraphs on the screen. They would say, OK, here's two paragraphs on the screen. Mr. President, did you certify to this? And he would say, well, the two paragraphs discuss insurance. They discuss value and they discuss how I can rent certain property, 40 Wall Street, for instance. Uh, let me explain. First, let me hit the value. First, let me hit the insurance. Let me hit this. Let me hit that. And he would go into explaining to them. That this is so obviously unbelievable because Trump, you know, she's acting like Trump is, you know, some interviewing uh, for some elite cons management consulting job where one of the, the she's describing this way of speaking that is organized that Trump doesn't have. And it's fascinating because She's talking about what a normal person might do, which is when you're asked, you would say, so there's three things here I want to weigh in on. They are valuation, property and construction. I'm going to do each of them one by one with regard. You know, there are people who organize their speech in that way. Or, for example, if when I come to you and I want to talk to you about the trans athletes thing, I would say I'm going to talk about trans athletes. There's three different components to this. There is how prevalent an issue is this? What does the science say? And how are the political parties dealing with it? Trump doesn't speak that way. We know she's lying because Trump has never once organized his speech in this way. 
he rambles incoherently, speaking only tangentially about what he's being asked about. Let's continue. Maybe you have a loan document that says that I have to have a, a, a net worth of $50 million, basic. Okay, but there's certain provisions there with step downs and things like that. It's not that simple. If I have to be absolutely honest with you, Larry, I think that they really should have thought about the legal team questioning. Somebody who is a real estate tycoon, a real estate mogul, is going to go down as right. one of the greats. Spend his whole life. They don't get it, and they're trying to attack and criticize somebody. You better be an expert. He's to try and trying. Come after him. See, look, as somebody who knows him rather well, he's trying to explain what I'm going to call the science of real estate. That's right. The accounting of real estate, the economics of. <laughs> He's a real scientist, that Trump. Real estate, okay? And he knows it very well. You might disagree with some of it, but he knows it very well. That's right. And this judge, as I understand it, will not let him finish these paragraphs. No. And I don't know. And the other thing, can I just, I think this showed up. Uh, you were on, uh, your presser was during Sandra and uh, Smith and John Roberts. Um, has a president ever testified like this in court? No. Never. It's and remember, this is the, this is the next line. No president has ever been made to do this. No president has ever behaved in a way such that the justice system would put them in this position to begin with. The story they keep telling is that Trump is uh, almost like an he has no uh, actions that he takes. He's just there. And all of these things come at him. The reason Trump is in these positions are because of the actions that he took. The, it, it is unprecedented, but it's unprecedented because we've never had a president behave this grace. way. So they won't give him the grace to do that. It's it's really they're cutting him off. And I objected and there was a fiery exchange with the judge. Yeah. Um, frankly, I, I can't even say it was with the judge and I. I'm very polite. I'm very professional when I'm in the courtroom. But the judge s did not like him finishing or explaining because it wasn't good for their case. And he's interfering. He's made his decision. Let's not forget that, Larry. He made his decision on summary judgment. He found liability already. So now we're wasting taxpayer dollars for months and months and months. Four hundred and fifty thousand for an expert. The AG paid yeah. taxpayer dollars. Those New York taxpayer dollars. We're wasting all this time and he won't even let the president, who's the person they're trying to get to, explain why he's certified to certain values. Why? Because the minute he starts to explain it, it ruins their case. He was worth more than his statement of financial condition. And Miss James, her politics mm. are not allowing her now to backtrack. She needs a PR team. I'm telling you, she's well, she have, looks she's, like a damn fool. Yeah. The other really funny thing is she says that this is all Letitia James driving it. But earlier in the interview, she said Letitia James isn't even involved in the actual prosecution. She just sits in the audience. So is it the judge? Is it Letitia James? Is it other prosecutors who are actually doing the nitty gritty of the prosecution work? The entire interview is like this. We are the victims. No one ever has ever done anything like this before to anybody. But the important thing is she doesn't seem to be making these arguments in court. And that's one of the aspects of this that we've been wondering about for a long time, which is will they try the same things they do on TV in court? So far, the answer has been not mostly not with some exceptions. Next week, Trump mounts his defense and his lawyers will mount their defense. I am anxiously waiting to see, do they try some of those defenses that aren't really defenses to what is uh, the subject matter of the case? We will see and we will report on it. We knew that there was a civil war brewing in the Republican Party. We've known it for a while. And the deposition, the deposing, of um, the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, thanks to eight Republicans who said we don't want this guy anymore. 
uh, was another step in that civil war, was another battle in that civil war. Radical and repugnant reactionary Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene is now just overtly going after other Republicans. This is now a Republican civil war full blown. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene speaking to CNN. Republican voters across the country are sick and tired of Republicans because they never do anything to hold uh, hold this government accountable. Republicans go out on the campaign trail and go on TV and do their five minute hearing videos and, and post up on social media and say all this garbage about how they're going to fight it and stop it. So I feel like many of the American people that think that Republicans in Congress completely fail them. I feel the same way and I'm a Republican member of Congress. So she says Republicans in elected office are regularly failing their constituents, which is a fascinating thing for her to say because she has done nothing for anyone. She was kicked off of her committees for a period of time. Everything she seems to work on is related either to some vague notion of impeaching Joe Biden at some point in the future for something we don't even really understand or know uh, or contrived social issues, contrived uh, uh, non policy issues that are titillating to Republicans to some degree, uh, but not really helping to improve anybody's lives. She is as much a part of the problem as anybody else. And now the Republican Party finds itself in an incredibly difficult position, which I don't envy them, but I'm enjoying quite a bit. On the one hand, there is the MAGA cultural issues, social issues. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're either with us or against us. If you're not as extreme as us, then you might as well be a Democrat side. That's one side here. Those are the folks who voted to remove uh, Kevin McCarthy. On the other hand, you have uh, Republicans who are just sort of like, what can I do to not make anybody upset and remain in power? And if it means I have to publicly say I like Trump, I'll do it. If it means I have to publicly say I'm going to go a different direction, I'll do that. I don't really care. And then you have a tiny group of Republicans, many of whom have opted to leave or are leaving or were voted out. People like Mitt Romney, people like Chris Christie, Adam Kinzinger, et cetera, Liz Cheney, um, who are willing to actually say, hey, they're screwing up our party. They're really screwing up our party. This doesn't make sense. This is bad. Trump is bad. We've lost election after election. Thanks to Trump. There are actually those three groups right now. And if we ask ourselves, OK, well, that's the elected officials. What about the voters, David? Where are the voters? You need only look at Republican primary polling to understand where the voters are. And the voters are very heavily on the side of we are pro Trump and we say it. Trump currently controlling 58 percent of the Republican electorate, 58 percent. By the way, Nikki Haley continues to surge. And on the bonus show today, we're going to talk about what I expect to see from her tonight at the debate. Nikki Haley almost into double digits, but Trump is still very much in control when it comes to the voters. So we will see what happens with this civil war. We will see what impact it has on the forthcoming election, on the forthcoming dialogue around the 2024 elections. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is certainly working to foment it. She thinks it will be good for her and maybe it will be. It doesn't seem like it's been working for the Republican Party. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a born again Christian who called in, which I know, I know not usually the type of person that calls in, but they have some answers for me. They are going to explain some things to me. Let's listen. 
Hi, David. My name's Ryan. I'm a born-again Christian, Bible-believing. I'm a preacher. And I saw your segment that you did about uh, the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, the other night mocking him uh, because he's accountable uh, on his Internet activity. And I just, because you, you said that it was bizarre and you found it uh, difficult to understand, I'd just like yeah. to explain it to you. Please, yeah, explain why Mike Johnson's 17 year old son is monitoring his porn usage. That is weird to me. I want to, I'm ready. Explain it to me, please. Uh, the God of the Bible is very clear uh -oh. about sexual purity. Oh, God. Jesus said if a man looks at a woman and lusts for her, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, no. And so true Christians walk in purity and they take sexual purity seriously. Mm. Mike Johnson's a married man. He wants to be faithful to his wife. So he's doing something that a lot of Christian men do all over this country. They make themselves accountable to other men. I don't know why this is such a strange and bizarre concept. Is your own 17 year old son the person that you should be making yourself accountable to with porn usage? It's extremely weird, sir. But in a world where morality is basically gone out the window, yeah. uh, I could see why you might find it to be strange. But then again, you also mocked uh, the Christian school in Nashville that was shot up and suggested that happened because uh, they didn't pray hard enough. No, in fact, what I did was I mocked the Republican elected officials who talk about prayer as all we need. No gun safety regulations, expanded background checks, limits on what guns can be purchased or any of it. Just prayers and thoughts. That's what I mocked. And anyone who knows me knows I'm not mocking the school or the kids who were shot. It's ridiculous. So I, I guess nothing really is beneath you in the yeah. realm of mocking Christians and I people that love God. So I just thought I'd uh, clear that up and try to help you understand. Thank you. Uh, I don't think you're really humble enough to take any correction because I do watch your um, your YouTube clips sometimes. I'm a conservative Christian, but I do watch you sometimes because you're intelligent, yeah. you're intellectual, and you do bring forth things that the conservative media would not report. But when you mock Christians like this, it really just makes you look very low class. It is mock worthy. It is mock worthy for a 50 year old man to get a computer program that sends notifications about his porn usage to his kid. That deserves to be mocked. That deserves to be mocked. I'm sorry. It just is what it's 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 bizarre behavior. And Mike Johnson is a bizarre dude. The more we learn about him, the stranger we learn he is on the bonus show today. Joe Biden has announced another great investment in rebuilding power lines and upgrading the electrical grid. Yet another win for the American people. We are also going to talk about newborn syphilis reaching what the CDC is calling dire levels. And we will discuss uh, we're going to preview tonight's Republican debate. There are some very interesting things that I will be paying close attention to, including uh, what Nikki Haley is going to do, given her surge in the polls, what we are expecting from the moderators and more. Join me tonight at 7 p.m. for the debate, but make sure you get the bonus show by signing up at joinpacman.com. I'll see you then and then tonight, and then I'll be back tomorrow with a new show.